Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back. Before I go to Nate Zielinski, who's waiting online here, I do want to mention that um, the boat ramps are opening at Bar Lake today. All right, so we want to get that out there. I also want to remind you that there will be no show of ours on April 27th. Uh, there's something going on with the NFL. I think the draft, no, we're going to cover the NFL draft extensively here. So we're going to step aside that day so you guys can stay on top of it. I know I'll be listening. It's a lot of fun, but we'll be back the week after that. So we have a show next week. We're off the 27th and back right after that. Let's go right to the phones. And one of our favorite contributors, always full of valuable information, probably out on or right next to the water at Cherry Creek, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. I'm a little concerned that there might be like a walleye draft happening on the 27th and people need to know about it, but uh, I guess we'll let it slide this once. Well, we had a walleye draft and the hatcheries did extremely well this year. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true, very true. Yeah, Terry, I'm down here at Cherry Creek Reservoir. Uh, It's our walleye insanity event and we got a totally new format, so it's like almost starting a whole new series out here today Um, and we could not be happier with what's going on so far. Uh, We have you know, we have just shy of 100 eggs anglers on the water out here today we have kayak anglers we have shore anglers we have boat anglers um we have a ton of youth a ton of women uh so it's exciting we got got every style angler there is out there uh and thankful for them uh fishing is very good thus far uh, in the tournament so we're excited to see that as well well i was a little concerned because you and i both know that cold fronts in the spring and I don't know if you can call this a cold front because it's just been cold, but yep. <laughs> um, the weather, changing weather in the spring can really affect the warm water species at times. Now, the fact that the weather's been kind of cold and snowy for several days, uh, spring fish, Nate, kind of settle in to patterns, but then weather changes, severe weather changes, change those patterns very quickly, unlike summer where they can be once they get into a pattern, they can be in it for weeks, even months. So are, are you seeing the fish shallow? Are they, are they, are they deep? What, what, what's happening out there? So, so far, a lot of the fish are deep, and that's one of the big things. So, you know, to, to kind of talk about all those things, it's very, very true. Um, you know, changing fronts, especially as the water's warming up, the fish are coming out of spawn, you know, you get two aspects. You get the spawn aspect as well as the temperature aspect. Um, so those are both major conditions. Angler, especially a walleye angler with those spring spawning fish. Uh, but right now, today, as those fish are in that, um, the fish are definitely kind of hanging in somewhat deeper water. Now, the nice thing about that, Cherry Creek maxes out at a shallow depth. So, you know, there, there's one pocket here that goes to 27 and a half feet, but most of the entire lake is at 20 foot. So those fish are actually hanging in that slightly deeper water. They're taking birds are kind of a unique food source, and they're actually feeding on bugs and little, basically, little bloodworms um, in the mud in that slightly deeper water. So the good and the bad about this is, number one, they're feeding in that deeper water. Number two, with this cold front, they can't drop any deeper to get away from it, um, so it really helps things out. And the other nice thing is, even though it's a cold front, we're in the middle of it. So the cold front is right here, keeping that pressure somewhat low. Now, tomorrow, as the storm front clears out, 
I do think we'll have somewhat of a slowdown on the fishing. But right now, while the storm front's right here, it's keeping that pressure lower than it will be as the, as the storm leaves. Um, and that higher pressure, I think, is what's going to actually slow down the fishing. So right now, you know, we're kind of in the middle of it. The pressure's good. Uh, it's very stable. And the fishing is great. And the nice thing about Cherry Creek, you have access to that deeper water, kind of considered the mud basin, from everywhere. So we have shore anglers kind of hanging on the dam and hanging over by the tower. And they can bite into that 20 foot of water on a long cast uh we have some guys hanging out right here kind of on the, the west boat ramp and there's some rocks that kind of extend just to the south of the boat ramp and they can cast to that deeper water and have access there so a lot of guys are, are having great success uh, but again fishing the mud bottom uh keeping those baits very tight to bottom as those fish feed on midges as those fish feed on those bloodworms um is a key pattern to catching these fish uh and so far again you know where we started at 7 a.m and we launched everybody uh you know obviously it's just a little past 11 and so far we have measured 38 fish over 18 inches so we're really excited about that uh, a lot more catching is obviously happening uh, but we're only measuring fish that are 18 or longer um and there's some good fish mixed in there uh, amongst those 38 fish that have been weighed so far or measured so far so we're really Really excited about that and uh you know there's still a lot of time left the sun's supposed to poke out here uh coming up here later this afternoon and we'll see if that will actually help or hurt the bite uh, but long, you know regardless right now the the bite is is absolutely hot so for those anglers out there that are possibly sitting at home listening to this radio or uh, avoiding fishing in the cold there's no doubt it's a little chilly out there but we don't have wind that's the nice thing you know two three four miles an hour uh it's a little chilly but i'll tell you what if you come out here fishing today the bite is absolutely on fire, and uh, it's nice. It's nice because uh, you know Cherry Creek, Denver Metro. Um, you know, there's a lot of different recreation that comes out here. You know, wakeboarding, water skiing, jet skiing. Um, on a day like this, it is all about the fishing. So it's nice, a uh, nice calm day on Cherry Creek. Yeah, and I want to get back to some of the techniques they're using. But before we do that, I want to take it a step further. You see, you know, and I agree with you 100. percent We're we're in the throes of this cold front. It started last. Wednesday, and so we haven't really had much of a break from it, and so the weather has been stable. And st- whether weather is cold, hot, or whatever, stable weather is can be a big factor in patterning fish. I agree with you that if we get some sunshine, it could change it here. I would look for the activity, though. We're supposed to get another front coming through Tuesday night, and if I was going to pick, if I could only fish one day this week, and you and I would never do that. We want to be out there every day, <laughs> um, no matter what. You know, somebody asks me, how, you know, when's the best time to fish? And it's any time you can. But I think that Tuesday, and we don't know this, spring is so tough to predict. But if I was going to pick a day, I'd probably pick Tuesday. Absolutely. I'm going to be on the water twice on Tuesday, two guide trips, a daytime and a nighttime, 100%. Again, I think we're going to have a little tailings of the storm later on this afternoon. I think tomorrow, Monday, you know, it's going to be recovering from that storm, uh, kind of leaving off. But I'll tell you, Tuesday, we're going to have all that barometric pressure as that storm comes in for, uh, you know, middle of the night, Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Um, and I agree 100%. I think Tuesday will be a phenomenal day to get out here um, and do that. And the nice thing is, again, these fish are sitting in the basin. To kind of touch base on that, uh, we see a lot of anglers out trolling lead core line and various presentations behind but we also see some guys dragging jigs and fishing jigs low in the water column i see some guys throwing stick baits really slow uh we're seeing fish coming a lot of different techniques uh out here today the biggest thing is in terms of that that slightly deeper water and we talk about that and you know again 
on days like this where you can anticipate, you know, post-spawn fish, possibly the fish being in deeper water, um, obviously food is a major player of the game. But you look at, like, your front-range lakes, Cherry Tree and Chatfield, both of them are fishing fantastic this spring. Um, but a lake like Chatfield, where you have max depths of 70 feet, cold fronts like this can possibly push some of those fish deep, and you can really spread those fish out in the water column, where you have fish, you know, in 10, 15 feet on structure and suspended. You have fish on structure in 30 foot and suspended in that deep water, and they really spread out. When you have a lake like Cherry Creek, where they drop deep and they're forced to sit in that same level, it's easy to build patterns because all of your fish are gathered. You know, so if you're going to go out and you're fishing a lake like Boyd, Think of a, a situation where maybe half the lake is a very common depth. Uh, it kind of forces those fish to that depth, and you can focus on catching those fish in that depth. You're down at Pueblo. They have access to a lot of that deeper water. But anywhere when you're selecting your location, think about the conditions that you're dealt with right now and think about where you might have fish really gathered up. It's going to help you kind of break down that puzzle and put all those pieces together to where you have a winning pattern and you start catching more fish by the end of the day. Uh, and again, Cherry Creek's a perfect example of all the fish gathered in one spot uh, and they're there for the taking and definitely the anglers that are, you know, piecing those puzzles together. Again, to- cold day like this, speed can be huge. And we talk about speed, Terry, you know this more than anybody. Um, you know, the difference of 1.2 miles an hour to 1.4 miles an hour is drastic. So again, Find the fish. Set yourself up for success by being where those fish are gathered up. Break them down slowly with patterns, colors, speed. Uh, and at the end of the day, you'll definitely catch a lot more fish uh, paying attention to those details rather than not. You're absolutely right. And right now, with this type of movement, too, your electronics are so critical, Nate. Oh, absolutely. Knowing where those fish are at and being in a position those bait. You know, again, you don't want to make those fish work for any reason, and that's a huge thing to think about. So when you're pro- approaching these fish, you know, I try to put my bait two inches, three inches above their head. A lot of anglers, you know, think, oh, if I'm within two feet of the fish, I'm going to be successful. When you really want to cater for these fish, especially in these conditions, put that bait literally inches over their head, and those are the things that will help you get more bites at the end of the day, cater the fish, make it easy on them. And knowing on those electronics, hey, this is exactly where they're sitting. I'm going to put my bait right there, and you'll catch those fish for sure. I, I, want, I may want to circle around back to this before we get back, but let's kind of go around the state, too. Uh, you know, we want to keep people appraised. I, I'm sure that uh, South Park, there is uh, still some ice, and what's going on with the pike there? You know, the pike, you know, like you look at different lakes, our fish are pretty much in full spawn um, in most portions of the state. Some fish are still in pre-spawn. Some fishers are already seeing some post-spawn fish. Uh, but, you know, we're in kind of that mud season. You know, Williams Falls is starting to get really unapproachable on the ice. Uh, places like Terriol still have good ice. Uh, and you can approach those fishers right now on the ice. Uh, 11 Mile, you have a couple spots where you can sneak on the ice, and there's a lot of spots where you cannot. So depending on where you go, our fish are in that spawn mode. Again, some fish in kind of pre-spawn, some in post, majority are in. Um, but depending on where you go, you have opportunities from shore at those fish in those shallow mud flats, and you have opportunities at some ice and very few opportunities. Uh, but the pike are, again, right now is kind of that, that full tailings of that spawn, which a lot of people don't, they get confused on. A lot of people have ice off, 
they look at it as shallow and they think that the spawn happened, you know, in, in May and June. And really that's the, the secondary situation in which they come shallow. And they're actually well post-spawned by then. And these fish are actually just coming in to warm up. Uh, so the pike spawn is, is in full tilt right now here in Colorado and almost all of our fisheries. Now, I know we, we it's hard to predict because Chatfield opened up much quicker than we thought once the weather changed. But if you were going to look, everybody, you know, there's been years where we've been on the ice, at spin, on the water at Spinney already. Um, do you have any feel for what we're looking at there? Yeah, you know, Terry, I mean, again, you know, we, we have 20 years of data as a guy here in Colorado. We kind of stick to it, kind of watch it. Again, wind is going to be everything. But right now we're, we're staying calm you know we get high winds 15 20 miles an hour we haven't really had those those gale force up there if i were going to have to say right now uh again it can change drastically but i'd say we're going to see an opening of spinny to boating uh sometime may 5th may 8th give or take that would be my predictions right now you know you really need to get a solid quarter or three-eighths of that lake open water, then you need that wind to start shredding it. Um, our temperatures are still cold enough to where the moisture that we're getting is still in the form of snow and not rain. Now, you get a good rainstorm, and it deteriorates that ice faster than anything. You get a warm rain wind, and it's iced off. But right now, again, the, the, the moisture that we're getting is still in the form of snow. We don't have quite enough open water to beat it up, um, so it's still going to be a little ways out. Actually, 11 Mile is in the de-icing process, faster than spinning is right now. Uh, but again, I think if we get some warmer days, get some water flow coming in there, break things up, we'll be going a little faster. But again, right now, uh, I'm going to say it's going to have to almost be uh, early May before we see uh, signs of boating up there, spinning for sure. All right. About two minutes or a minute, actually, only. Go take us around. What do you got for uh, bites if somebody wants to get out fishing the next few days? Absolutely. So, Terry, there, there's a lot of opportunities. Number one, the bass right now. They're not quite in tree spawn, uh, but with those couple warmer days on the smaller bodies of water, the ponds around Lakewood, the ponds around Denver, Quincy, these small bodies of water, you can get a quick temperature change. So all of a sudden you have a nice warming day, that surface warms up, the wind blows it to one side, or a shallow water you know, situation where that water warms up, those bass gravitate to it. I would say that right now, especially in the sense of largemouth and a little bit of smallmouth, I would focus on some bass. Again, uh, your main stays in Lakewood, you know, your, your lake flank and Maine, places like that are doing very well for some of those bass. You know, and just ponds around there, I should say, more so than that. Uh, but again, the bass around town, Quincy's on fire for largemouth, so I'd think about that for sure. Walleye fishing. Daytime, I'd hit Cherry Creek. Nighttime, I'd put a big focus on Chatfield. Pueblo's fishing very well. Will Dykes was down at Pueblo right now, catching a lot of fish. He's got a good jig bite going at Pueblo. Uh, so all those fishers right now. But again, I would chase that warm water for almost all these species, uh, and I'd put a big focus on walleye and bass right now, just why these bites are hot. And again, knowing that we're down here at Cherry Creek and knowing that the bite's hot, uh, I'd break out some of those baits. I'd think about hitting that basin at Cherry Creek here this next week, uh, just while we know these fish are stacked here and we know the bite is absolutely hot. All right, we got to run. We're over time. But, Nate, thank you for joining us. They can get more information at tightlineoutdoors.com and Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Absolutely. And we'll be here at Trey Creek at 3 p.m. If anybody wants to come down to the way, and we're at the West Ramp at 3 p.m. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Nate Zielinski, hey, don't go away. We're going to take a quick time out, and Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to keep talking about conditions, taking advantage of what's going on right now, and getting ready for what's coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Discount Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Uh, let's see. 
Now say good morning, Austin. There we go, Terry. How are you? Uh, sometimes that phone is smarter than me. But <laughs> appreciate your patience. I know we're running a little late, but here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to get a rundown of what you're hearing out there. Today, you know, tomorrow's going to be a little better weather, but we're going to see some changes Monday, Tuesday into Wednesday. Let's kind of talk about where people might go fishing. Then I'm going to put you on hold, come back, and I want to talk about getting your gear ready for fishing, okay? So what, what are you hearing out there? So, you know, I'm sure you guys were just talking with Nate, and, and he's got his whole tournament going on at Cherry Creek right now. But as far as the walleye bite, that bite is about as, as good as, as we've heard on anything going right now. Uh, right now, with, with the time of year and the water temperature that we're dealing with, uh, the walleyes are certainly on a, a good post-spawn pattern and utilizing your lead core options and getting out toward the main basin, pulling some small cranks out there, um, various flicker shads. Some of the new jointed flicker shads have actually been working really well out there, size 5. Um, but that's been really productive. Same thing is also going on in a lot of your other Plains lakes that incorporate a nice open main basin, uh, Jackson Lake being one of them. And that lake has actually been really, really good and has been open to boating for several weeks. So certainly that might be a, a nice option if you're wanting to head out there and, and catch some fish. There has been a bit of an algae bloom out there, but I've been hearing that the bite's still been good. Um, but then we're starting to see a lot of trout action right now as well. So certainly on places like the Arkansas by Salida, uh, the lower portions of Deckers have all been fishing good, and, and we're just waiting to mice out on some of our mountain lakes. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. I got a quick question for you. I used to fish Cherry Creek a lot because I used to live by it. I don't fish much anymore. But during the pre-spawn, I used to get out there when we didn't have ice, like this yes. year. And I would pull lead core. I'd pull it right down in that 20-foot basin just close to the bottom. But I'd pull a lure more like a, a husky jerk, something that didn't have a lot of action to it, and pull it fairly slow and keep it just within a foot or two of bottom. Now, I mit, might fish all day for two or three bites, but those bites would almost be always 20-plus-inch fish. Yes. Um, is that bite, do you think we've moved past that now because we're pre post-spawn and we need the more action of the flicker shads and things? I do. You know, this time of year, I've certainly spent a lot of time trying to replicate those husky jerk and rogue style bites on that lead core out there with very limited success. I usually, as we move into the, the first to middle part of April here, have much better success running a bait that has more action. But at the same time, certainly identifying how much action is necessary and what fish you're responding to is also important. So, you know, a jointed shad is going to have more action than a standard flicker shad, and it's going to have more action than various other crankbaits as well. So being able to adjust that and, and figure I very rarely ever will put more of the same type of lure on unless I'm very dialed in on a pattern. So if I'm going out there for the first time, you know, I might put a standard flicker shad and a brighter color on one, maybe a jointed flicker shad on another, um, you know, and, and maybe something like, like a shad wrap or, or a hornet or something on the other one as well. However, I do sit with those flicker shads a lot out there. Um, some other stuff can also work. But trying to dial that in and, and kind of taking either physical notes or notes in your head on what's working and adjusting accordingly will certainly help you uh, with not only the lure selection, but also speed out there and also location and, and, and deadline back as far as that lead core is concerned. Now, real quick, I we have the hatchery guys on, and I would think this on-again, off-again weather down here in the front range has kept the water pretty cold. I would think the action along the front range for both newly stocked 10-inch trout and some larger holdover fish should be really good right now. Starting to get going. You know, I've talked to some anglers that to Chatfield, catching some fish out there. Uh, various other small lakes have also been stocked, such as like Centennial Lake. A lot of guys have been taking advantage of that. But some of the larger holdover fish at Aurora have also been working well out there for some people. One gentleman came in and was fly fishing out there, uh, you know, running some sinking lines and, and stripping some woolly buggers with a uh, soft tackle hair's ear on a trailer, catching some pretty nice fish out there.
Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot going on, a lot coming. Let's take a quick time out. When I come back, we'll kind of finish up with the bites right now, and then let's talk about getting ready for the what we've got coming up, okay? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Okay, I'll put you on hold for just a minute. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. My old uh, high school alum, Bobby Dillon. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right back to the phones where we're talking to Austin Parr. Austin, here's where I want to go with this. I want you to think over the next few minutes if you could go fishing one place from shore, one place from a boat in the next three days, what where you would go. And while, we're, while you're thinking about that, uh, let's talk a little bit about getting ready. You get a weekend like today. Well, tomorrow might be a little better, but the cold front might make fishing a little difficult. And today's not the best day to be out. But you should be getting your gear ready. And probably one of the number one things is your line. Absolutely, you know, and and a lot of people, I think, neglect their line a lot. And, you know, this time of year, along with everyone uh, coming and picking up some new licenses, I see a lot of folks come down looking for some new lines. And it's drastically important, particularly if you're fishing something like a monofilament or a fluorocarbon that can retain a lot of memory. If you don't re- replace your line and, and, and manage it properly and store it in, in a situation where um, it's not going to degrade as much, you can really have some problems out there on the water. Well, I, I can tell you that I got cocky one time, and I used to do a lot of the presentations like you guys do at the tank where I host now, and I used to do three days' worth of those, and I didn't change my line monofilament. This is back when we used mostly monofilament before the super lines. And I would take and stretch out maybe 30 feet a line before each presentation to get me by. And the last, very last presentation, I didn't even do that. And and you can ask, Dan Swanson was down watching me, and I thought he was going to fall over laughing. I had three rods up there, and all three were just a bird's nest where I couldn't make a cast. So so I, I showed people that it, you know, even, uh, but you're right, monofilament especially is important because it does break down when it gets wet. It breaks down under heat and it breaks down under time. Now, if you asked Ronnie Castiglione, who's coming up next, Brad and Nate, who were on earlier, myself, you, uh, Chad Lachance, we all don't approach what line we use the same way. And we all have different uh, different lines we favor in different situations. Um, well, you mentioned mono and fluorocarbon being uh, monos probably needs to be changed the most. Fluorocarbon next. Super lines you can actually get away with using and leaving them on a little more as long as you watch for frays and stuff. But then you have to understand how to use those lines better. How do you approach what line you use? You know, I'm a big super line fan. The majority of applications that I'm fishing, whether it's snap digging a, a jigging wrap or a blade bait, throwing a jig, even swimming a, a plastic. I am a big fan of braided lines, and in certain circumstances, depending upon the, the type of area we're fishing, I'll have some braided lines on my reels if I'm not losing the line for multiple years for the fact that it does not degrade rather than um, some of your other lines except for the fact of, of some abrasions on there. But that braided line not only helps me and clients, for that matter, cast farther with a thinner diameter, it also does not retain any memory, so you can cast out whether that line's been on there you know, a day or, or a year, there's not going to be any memory on that braid, um, and then it also does not stretch. So you can really feel those light takes as well as make a hook set on that longer cast uh, you know, a, a lot quicker than you would with a stretchy mono. Um, however, in a situation where you're in a particularly clear water situation, I tend to want to put a fluorocarbon leader on the end of that. Now, fluorocarbon refracts in almost the same way water does, so it dis better to add that 
carbon leader on the end of your braided line, and you can really have some good success. However, if you're not comfortable with knots, maybe fishing with a, with a fluorocarbon or a monofilament that might be a little bit more forgiving in that aspect could also be. Um, or if you're looking to throw a topwater bait or maybe a, a crankbait where you want to have a little bit of that stretch, those are two other applications where I'll, I'll do something a little bit different. Yeah, you broke up just a little bit there, but I agree with you on almost all those. I do a lot of super line now, and um, part of it's because I can get away. And I think you're absolutely right, though, that you have to be willing to understand how you're fishing with super line a little better because you're right. It, it, it gives you better sensitivity, but also makes it easier to pull the, the lure away from the fish too soon or to absolutely. lose a fish you're fighting, whether you pull the hooks away or you get slack all of a sudden and it throws a lure because you don't have the forgiveness. If somebody's beginning, you know, in Colorado, I'd probably put six or eight pound mono on it, and but make sure you change it two, three times during the season. But it costs pennies. The other yep. thing with the super lines and people get, there's new ones out every year. Now, I still, I have super lines that came out 15 years ago in my, I have uh, all kinds of line, and I have some that just came out just this year. Is there one particular one you're gravitating to? You know, I like something that actually has a, a woven braid to it, so that fire line. However, we've been messing around with the fire line for eight that has just come out recently, and we're really, really liking that stuff. Um, it's casting really nicely. It's, it's to the guides better than the original fire line does, and, and it's you know giving you all your properties of, of no stretch and no memory that you're looking for. All right. We got about two minutes left. If you're going to go in the next three days, and you're going to go from shore for those people, because people constantly tell us we need more information about shore fishing. And let's keep it front range right now because the mountains, you're either, if you might be able to ice fish, but there isn't much open water, or if it's a river, but shore sure. or uh, or from a boat. Give me the two places you'd go in the next three days. So as far as shore is concerned, uh, however, you know, we're, we're certainly having some good trout action around town. But if I was going up, I would probably either go to, I'm going to extend it a little bit from Front Range, but Georgetown Lake has some good open water on the north uh, side of the lake um, where, where it's coming through the bridge there. And that area has been really well lately. Um, so that's got you some open water that's kind of getting right at ice off. The main lake's still going to be iced right there. But I, if you're going on a weekday, Deckers would certainly be a, a good option for you. Weekend would be a little bit more difficult, but a lower section of Deckers has been fishing really, really well lately, whether you're fly fishing or conventional fishing. Um, and then shifting over to a boat, uh, certainly Front Range is going to be having to be what we're going to do with that with all the ice, but Cherry Creek, I think, would be my, my number one choice right now. Uh, you know, the lead core bite has been really productive out there, and if you can get your, your bait dialed in properly out in that main open basin, you can really have some good success right now with not only decent numbers, but also some, some pretty decent-sized fish. No, you're absolutely right. Those are two great options. And there's just, even though it's spring, this time of the year the fishing can be on and off. You have to have a little more patience because this time of the year what's going on changes much more rapidly with the weather and the season than the summer when the fish settle into a pattern or the slow transition at fall. So I'd say go out with a game plan, but don't be afraid to reevaluate immediately. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, I might go out there and be trolling some lead core and find some fish up shallow. Or, you know, you might want to make a shift there. Or, you know, you might be in a situation where you want to go out and, and you want to fly fish, but then all of a sudden you have a hatch that pops off, or, or the opposite for that matter. I mean, you know, you need to start fly fishing as well um, to target what's going on. So, you know, being, uh, being mobile and, and, and 
time of year certainly will help to get more fish in the net. All right. You are breaking up a little bit, my friend, but where can people find you if they want more information? So I'm down at Discount Tackle. We are just south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. I'll be here all day and be here a bunch next week. All right. So stop by. Get some new line on. He'll help you pick which line is best for you. Thanks, Austin. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. You bet. Austin Parr, great guy, great resource. Speaking of great resources, stay tuned because we're going to be joined by Ronnie Castiglione, and he's going to talk about fishing these rivers when this runoff comes. And believe me, it is coming. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. One of my all-time favorite eagle songs take it to the limit you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors and 104.3 the fan i want to go right to the phones so we can give as much time to this gentleman as possible and ronnie castiglione from fishful thinker is joining us and ronnie my notes say how to fish the rivers when they blow out with spinning gear and with the amount of snow that's still up there this late that hasn't really even started coming down we could get a long extended period of blowing out rivers yeah, we really are, Terry. I mean, we're definitely going to get a runoff. That water's got to go somewhere. And probably within just the next few weeks here, we'll start to see the rivers here in northern Colorado. The flows start to increase. I know the Big Thompson is already flowing fairly good right now, and they're running a bunch of water into horse too, trying to trying to fill the reservoir a little bit more. But, uh, you know, here in just the next few weeks, we'll be going up. And Terry, every single year, you know, I listen to the show and we watch on television and you hear the common phrase, you know, especially from the fly anglers that, oh, the river's blown out right now. You know, we can't really get out and fish it effectively, that sort of a thing. But, you know, it's been my experience growing up as a kid here in Colorado that I prefer the water when it's flowing hard down these rivers. That's when I like to get out and fish. Certainly, there will be times where it's the extreme runoff condition, Terry, and, and you just don't want to go anywhere near the river in that kind of a scenario. But let's say the water is running real, real high, but not super flood stage high. It's been my experience that I can get out and I can approach the rivers with a spinning rod, and I have absolutely no problem catching fish in those scenarios, Terry. Well, one thing I do have to correct you, you said growing up here in Colorado, you obviously didn't grow up. You got older. So let's, you know, Maintain your credibility. No, but you're absolutely right, Ronnie. And I think uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, and I fly fish and I conventional fish both, as do you. And I think that there's a lot of times when, because when you have to manage a fly line on the water, that we sh- that it becomes difficult under those conditions. Even when the fish are close to shore, with a spinning rod, you can keep the majority of your line out of the water and try to control the lure. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. And one of the big keys is going to be line control in those situations, no doubt about it. You really have to understand that when you're making a cast at those at those little pools and those little runs that may still be in the river when it's flowing hard, that you've got to be able to reach over and either shut that bale on that spinning rod or reel that bale shut real, real fast before that line and lure actually hit the water. That way the lure falls right straight down into the water. You keep your rod tip really, really high in that scenario, and you'll have a straight line of sight from the rod tip all the way to where the lure is in the rotter and you won't have any water really laying or any line really laying in that fast moving water that's the big key when the water is running hard like you're talking about terry the minute the line lays down into it then it's going to go ahead and rip that presentation right out of that pool and a lot of times it's important for people to understand that it's not like you're going to be fishing these long runs and these long drifts and really fishing you're going to be fishing these small little pockets you may be able to cast a jig into these small little pockets 
and only rip that thing up and down maybe two or three times before it blows out of that pocket. But it, it, often in that kind of thing, Terry, those fish are often in those real, real small areas that are left, and they bite it immediately, right, when it comes falling in. So it's really about a quick presentation, line control. It's almost like flipping and pitching heavy cover as a bass angler, but you're doing it up on the river for trout, Terry. Now, you talked about a jig. What are some of your favorite presentations in this kind of situation? Well, without a doubt, a jig is going to shine the best when the water's flowing high, Terry, because you're going to be able to work that thing vertically through the water column, and it doesn't have to drift through, and it's not something that you're going to be reeling back to you. So a jig, you know, and when I say a jig, it can be a lot of different things. So it could be a tube jig, Terry. It could be a gulp minnow on a jig head. It could be a marabou jig, or it could be a bucktail jig, or something along those lines. It just has to be a presentation that's going to sink relatively quick when it hits the water, and that you're just going to kind of rip up and let fall, rip up and let fall, and look for the strikes, Terry. So those tend to be what I gravitate to. Uh, there's also been a lot of times when the water is really, really high, Terry, that I'll go up there and I'll fish a blade bait in the river, uh, a real small, like a quarter-ounce blade bait, real shiny one or a gold one. Just because you can rip that thing vertically just like you can the jig, you get a lot of flash and vibration coming off it. You don't really want to let, let it get all the way down to the bottom because that blade bait will snag real, real easy. But just kind of rip it through the water water column and just rip it a few times and the minute the current grabs it terry the minute the current grabs the jig the minute the current grabs the the blade bait and starts to move it out of the pool you want to go ahead and reel right back in immediately terry you don't want to try to fish it back to yourself you don't want to lose control of it you want to stay in contact with it that's going to keep you from getting snagged terry well and i think another thing mistake that people make they hear about you know, fish in the feeding lanes and all that. And when rivers are running this high, whether they're muddy or clear, and you can change a little bit depending on it, but you're absolutely right. They're going to hold in small pockets. Now, sometimes those are current breaks in the middle of the river, but a lot of times they're right at your feet. A lot of people cast too far. Yeah, Terry, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other thing that people should pay attention to is that it tends to be, for me, that when the rivers are running really, really high, I look for the most rapid sections of the river. The area of the river that has the most elevation change, those tend to be the sections that have the bigger boulders and the bigger kind of bigger kind of rocks in them that will create the larger pools. Those are the pools that I gravitate towards when the water is running really, really high. It's not the flat, meandering sections. It's not the meadowy areas that I'm looking to fish. I'm looking to fish the steep stuff, the really, really rapid stuff, and just look for those little pockets, those little back eddies, those little bitty rocks things like that. That's what I gravitate towards. It's funny, Terry, when the water's really, really skinny and low, it's those same areas of the river that I like to fish. It's not the flat sections. It's not the it's not the meadowy areas. It's the really, really rapid areas. Those are the areas that throughout the entire year hold water, Terry, and so it tends to be that a lot of times the bigger fish live in those areas, and that's where you're going to find them, and that's going where you're going to have success when the water's really, really high, Terry. Now, but we've got to warn people, though, in those those things in those conditions, you just got to be very, very careful, Terry. You don't want to do any wading. You don't want to wear shoes that are going to be slippery. If you're not somebody who's real, real nimble or has real, real good balance, then I suggest you stay away from the rivers when the water's flowing really, really high. But if you use a lot of caution and you make sure you have good footwear and things like that, uh, you know, it can be safe and you can definitely catch a lot of fish. And it's a little more challenging to land fish when the water's running hard, but that makes it a lot more fun, in my opinion, Terry. You're absolutely right. Ronnie, we are odd of time. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks, and you and I need to get on the water very, very soon. 
Let's do it, Terry. All right. Have a good one. Thank you, Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You're going to know what's going on in the show, both what we're going to cover and what we have covered. If it's really a key item, you'll see links to my uh, Denver Post columns. You'll see you'll see um, links to our, our articles, our videos on YouTube, which there's like 115 now, I think, full episodes of our fishing there. We'll be back here. Now we're at our summer hours, 10 to noon. We got a show next week, then it's the NFL draft, and we're back after that. But tune in every Saturday from 10 to noon through the summer and follow us on YouTube. Follow us on uh, Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and full coverage of the Masters Golf Tournament on 104.3 The Fan.